Welcome back, Bucks fans. Did you get the chance to take a deep breath and relax during the bye week? We hope so. This is another rendition of A Few Extra Bucks, your podcast on our website, PeterPirates.com. We'd first like to thank our title sponsors who've been so good to us since we launched this project about three months ago. In terms of the podcast, we've had the website for well over a year now, but our title sponsors are House of Brews, a great place in Lutz on the corner of Northdale Mabry and Van Dyke, and our friends, our other title sponsor, Sea Dog Brewing Company, great locations in Clearwater and on the beach in Treasure Island. Listen, I'm going to bring in uh, our producer, Justin Thomas, and our great Buccaneer insider, Roy Cummings. Uh, first, Justin, uh, how was the bye week for you? Uh, it was pretty good, particularly after last night's game. That was a pretty amazing moment to watch yeah. know, on live TV. Ray's doing his thing, huh? Yeah. Roy, how was your bye week? It was good. Always like the opportunity to watch other teams um, and focus on them a little bit more than the Buccaneers. Um, in, in a way, to kind of compare and contrast. You know, what's uh, what I'm what I'm seeing with the Bucks? Am I seeing that with other teams? You know, what uh, what's coming up? Uh, that kind of thing. So it was good. I got an opportunity to, you know, take a Sunday off and uh, sit back and watch football in a different way for a change. So I like it. Well, you know what? We'll delve into the Falcons. That's the Bucks' next opponent uh, in our next podcast. This is more of kind of a rehash of uh, the State of the Union with this Bucks team as they trudge on after the bye week. But I think when we look at the NFC South, I mean, Justin talked about the Saints game. You touched on uh, watching other teams. I mean, this NFC South, to me, I don't know. The Bucks are really in the middle. I mean, the Saints are kind of pulling away a little bit. Then you have the Falcons that are just not looking good at all, getting hammered by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the one wild card, we may have touched on this last time, I'm still trying to figure out the Carolina Panthers because the Giants are not a good football team, and they barely escaped at home with the win over the struggling Giants. I can't really figure out Carolina. I feel like I have a read on the other teams, though, somewhat. I'm kind of with you. Um, I think we know what the Saints are uh, good. Um, and I'm, I look, I'll admit, I'm a little surprised. I, after three straight years of seven and nine and one year of nine and seven and winning the division, I, I honestly thought that, well, you know what? Who are they really? Uh, you know, going back to the mean, they're probably more of a middle, you know, of, of an eight and eight type team. But no, they're playing extremely good football right now. Uh, the Falcons, obviously, uh, struggling like crazy on defense, uh, partially because of injuries. Um, so they're, they're hurting. And, yeah, I'm with you on Carolina. I, look, I, I picked Carolina to win this division uh, during one of the segments I did on the Bay News 9 here in Tampa, um, Spectrum Sports. I know you do that as well, Mike, and you and I have done it together a couple times. But they were, you know, we were asked uh, who we picked as the uh, NFC South champs and uh, actually picked Carolina. I still think they can do it. But um, you're right, based on what we saw on Sunday against the Giants, uh, they got some areas to clean up. But, of course, everybody does in the, in the division. Yeah, well, let's, let's talk about this Bucks team right now. Obviously, our people who jump on the podcast want Bucks first, and that's what we try to give you. And we appreciate the support in this podcast. It has grown so much in the last three months. We just passed our 30th show, so this is show number 31. Um, you know, it's a time of reflection for the coaching staff, Dirk Cutter did admit he went, he went fishing, didn't catch as many fish as he wanted to, but he did go fishing, got away from football a little bit. But they look at a lot of film, not only from the past games, but uh, you know the most recent game. And uh, they didn't throw away the film on that. Maybe that, that, that would be good advice for them on the debacle that was the Bears game. But here's Dirk Cutter on looking at the film and prepping for the Falcons. As coaching staff, when you, when you look at everything, you're going to 
you're going to look at it till you think you've got it figured out, whether you do or you don't. I mean, you're going to you're going to try to. So, uh, you know, we'll try to implement some things that we did. I mean, I, I'm not going to really come out and say what they are, but uh, you know, we'll try to we'll try to implement some things and, and get them ready for this week at Atlanta. What do you think of that? I guess that's what you want to hear from your coaches, kind of coach speak a little bit. But uh, you've covered the NFL for a long time. What do you think these coaches really do during the bye week, Roy? Well, I think Dirk was actually very honest. Um, you hear this, this kind of a catchphrase now, bye word, uh, however you want to describe it. But self-scouting, it's what you do in the bye week. You uh, you look back at, um, you no matter how much uh, you've you've played, whether it's, you know, four games for the Bucks or you know, seven or eight for other teams, you look back at the most recent stretch of games in particular, um, usually the last quarter and uh, of games, and and you say, all right, what are we doing well? And what are we doing poorly? Primarily, what are we doing poorly? Because, you know, what you're doing well, you just say, okay, you know, keep doing that. But you look at what are we, you know, what are we, what are we not achieving? What aren't we getting done? And with the Buccaneers, look, you don't have to be a coach in the NFL to figure it out. They're, they're not stopping teams. Uh, you know, they're not stopping them against the run. They're, they're not stopping their passing game. They're not stopping them in the red zone and they're not running the ball very well. So um, that's, those are the issues that have to be corrected. And so I'm sure that's what they spent. Uh, and they probably, you know, the coaches probably spent three, four, you know, maybe even five days on it and took the weekend off and said, all right, you know, rest up and uh, we'll get back at it on Monday. And um, you know, if you come back with any fresh ideas, we'll take them. But, I'm sure they looked almost 90% at uh, what was going on with the defense and tried to figure out what do we do there. Well, speaking of one of the things you touched on that they're struggling on is the running game. Not good at all. And it really shows how impressive the passing game has been because they haven't had any balance with the running game at all. But it seems Dirk Cutter isn't panicking about the lack of a running game. We have uh, goals for every down and distance area, for every breakdown area that we'd like to be hitting in efficiency-wise. And, you know, if you're not, if you're not hitting those, you try, you try to fix them. But again, at the same time, there's a, there's a point of banging your head against the wall too, right? There's a, there's a point of, uh, sometimes you got to just go, go with what works and, and not worry about it. Again, I think a lot of teams are, are uh, pass first teams now, and there's really nothing wrong with that. I mean, really the bottom, all that matters is at the end of the game. Well, Today, the Jacksonville Jaguars picked up Jamal Charles, really because of injury with Leonard Fournette. They want a stopgap guy there. No Le'Veon Bell pickup by the Bucks. Uh, they're not panicking. They're not. They're not. You know, reaching for veterans, Roy. But Dirk Cutter, very honest right there about the state of his offense. Yeah, he is. And you know, it's look. It's not special right now. Uh, averaging three point one yards per game in the run, running game. Uh, obviously, knocking out of the park as a passing team. He's right. It's a it's a pass happy NFL right now, and you know. So if you're not running the ball, but you're still scoring, you know, forty points uh, or more in, in half your games as the Bucks are, are you really that worried? Um, yeah, you are to a degree, but I, I also think that they're pretty confident that as time goes on, uh, Peyton Barber is going to catch fire. Uh, that Ronald Jones is going to start to figure things out a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure you can hope for much more from Jaquiz Rogers or. You know, I'm not sure Sean Wilson's going to provide much. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, look, we've seen Peyton Barber run exceptionally well um, in, in the NFL before. He did it last year, even did it a little bit before the, you know, the year before. Um, and he certainly did it in training camp in the preseason this year. That, that ability is there. 
Um, I, I think he'll be okay. I also think Ronald Jones will, will figure things out. So I don't think there's a great reason to be too concerned about the running game. Again, a lot happens there. Um, it's not just running backs. It's, uh, it's, it's got a lot to do with the line situations that you're in, down and distance, things like that. Um, we've seen uh, Peyton Barber break off a couple of decent runs. He just needs to be a little bit more consistent. The tough thing with the running game, and fans really need to keep this in mind, most runners uh, need to get into a, a rhythm. They need to get into a groove. And the way you do that is by running the ball and running it consistently. One of the issues you have when you have an offense like the Bucks now and like a lot of teams the NFL do have is you just don't give the, the running backs that much of an opportunity to run and get into that rhythm and that, that groove. Without that, it's hard to ask a guy to, to gain you know, four-plus yards to carry, five yards to carry, that kind of thing on a consistent basis. And don't forget, the Bucks. most teams run the ball late in games when they're ahead by a score or two. The Bucks haven't really been in that situation. You go back to the first week, it was tight all the way through. They had a chance to put it away, but a missed kick screwed that up. Uh, second week, uh, similar situation, tight game against the Eagles, really. Uh, then they're playing from behind the whole time against Pittsburgh, didn't really have an opportunity to run there, and the same from Chicago. So – I don't think the opportunities have been there for the running game to really excel and play at the level that it's capable of playing at. Um, so I, I think I, there's, there's reason not to be concerned about the running game. And a lot of it has to do with circumstances that the team has faced. I don't think it has to do with the talent or the lack of a commitment to it. Uh, circumstances just dictated that they do some other things. And as a result, the, the runners haven't really had the opportunity to get into that groove. Well, Roy, to your point about getting in the rhythm, the perfect example of that, and I cover the New Orleans Saints along with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was at the Monday night game where Breeze broke the record in the Superdome, and Mark Ingram returned to the Saints offense. I'm not trying to get off the rails with the Saints, but it proves a point with the Bucs. Mark Ingram, for years, they considered many considered him kind of a bust in New Orleans because he wasn't living up to the first-round pick hype. But a big part of that, well, part of it was health. But another part of that was he was sharing carries with other backs and wasn't getting into that rhythm. You know, once he became the guy, he really showed off his potential. It'll be interesting to me to see Peyton Barber moving forward if when he gets more opportunities, when the game dictates more importance for, from his standpoint, how he will respond. Because Ingram's a perfect example of that and what you said. Once he got the lion's share of the carries and the responsibility, he shined. We'll see about Peyton Barber, I guess. It's a real good point. And, you know, look at the New England Patriots. They seldom, if ever, have a runner who's in the, you know, in the top of the league and in, in running back, you know, and get yards gained or, or even maybe rushing average and that kind of thing. And it's not because they're not good running backs. They do have very good running backs and they usually achieve their objectives in terms of uh, yards per carry and that kind of thing. But don't forget, they're, they're not getting a lot of opportunities either compared yeah. to some teams that really emphasize the run. And look, the Bucks. The whole objective is to score points. If the Bucks continue to see opportunities in the passing game that they can take advantage of, they're going to do it. And if it's the running game that suffers because the Bucks scored 42 points today, mostly by passing the ball, well, they're going to continue to pass the ball. So that's kind of what Dirk was alluding to when he said, you know, it's it's more of a, a, of, a of a passing game nowadays. It's that's what the NFL is. It's a passing league, and uh, that being the case the running game is sometimes going to suffer a little bit. And I think that's where we're at. Yeah. You know, I'd be interested to see Peyton Barber because he's a guy that I thought looked good in the preseason. He's kind of bide his time. And uh, 
We'll see what happens moving forward here with the Atlanta Falcons coming up this weekend. Well, a big narrative, of course, during the bye week was fire Mike Smith, get this guy out of here. The defense is horrible. I wouldn't have faulted the Bucs if they did it. You brought up some good points on why they shouldn't. And Dirk Cutter has stood by Mike Smith and has said it's not about loyalty. Um, you know, he, he wants to keep the continuity going, still believes in Mike Smith, and has also made the point that, you know, Mike Smith's not out there missing tackles and blowing assignments. He re- reiterated at his press conference this week that Mike Smith is here to stay for the time being. It's a team game, so that, that, was, that was really my whole point, is anytime anybody, me included, singles one person out for the cause of all of our problems or the cause of all our success, guess what? That's not right. I mean, that's just, it's much more than that. I know you love that, Roy Cummings. Well, he's not wrong. That's the thing. He's not wrong. Look, I know fans are frustrated. Fans are upset. Fans always want to cut somebody, fire somebody, bring in the other guy. It just doesn't work that way, you know, that often. I mean, you really, really have to be screwing up. And again, you know, the, the, the design may be at fault here a little bit. And, but again, the players have to execute the plays. And, you know, we've talked about this from the offensive perspective. Everybody talks about, oh, the Bucks are so much better because Todd Munkin's calling plays right now. Yeah, well, maybe. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Dirk Cutter came out at the end of the year and said, oh, by the way, it was me calling plays all year long. It wasn't Todd Munkin. It just, you know, <laughs> stayed in the the, the the difference is they're executing the plays properly. We went through that. Right. Same with defense. Right now, the defense just isn't executing the plays. Now, there is a history, 19 games out of 36, 400 yards or more, uh, 30 points or more allowed in 15 of those games. The defense has not played well consistently. It has played consistently bad, uh, poorly. It has not done the job under Mike Smith. There is no doubt about that. My thinking, again, is if you want to make that bad situation worse, fire the coordinator. Those who think that Mark Duffner, the defensive genius that he is, would make this a better situation don't understand. Mark Duffner, just because he was once a coordinator and called plays in Cincinnati, doesn't necessarily mean he's cut out to be a coordinator and call plays in Tampa Bay. Um, Mike Smith made it to, made it to the, 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 high, the, the level of head coach in this league because of his defensive philosophy his defensive play calling, his defensive scheme, and now all of a sudden it's not working. Why isn't it working? Well, in my opinion, it's not necessarily a lack of talent. It's not necessarily a result of the scheme that it's that he's put out there. My belief is that the scheme is too difficult for the young, inexperienced players that are being asked to run it right now. As I've said before, three-quarters of the Bucks' starting secondary is, is on the shelf with injuries. And two of the rookies who were forced to play in their spot are playing hurt right now. So MJ Stewart, Carlton Davis, and Jordan Whitehead as well. So everybody's playing hurt or is hurt in that secondary. That's going to create a lot of problems. And that's what the Bucks are dealing with more than anything right now. So if you're a defensive coordinator and you're Mike Smith, Roy, would you just simplify and be more aggressive? Is that the key to turn this around maybe? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, it may not be as simple as just simplifying into, but if the problem, and look, we heard about this the first year Mike Smith was here when they went through the first half of the season, it was disaster, much as it is now. It was all about communication, players on the different, on different pages, not knowing exactly what the other one was doing. Two guys covering one receiver, sometimes three covering 
one receiver, leaving somebody else wide open. They're having the same problems again. And lo and behold, gee, what, what do we have here? Well, we have a bunch of guys who are new to the scheme. They don't know the scheme that well. So I think that's the problem. How much can you dummy it down? Um, how much can you simplify it? I don't know. But there should be a level at which you can still play somewhat exotic scheme, something that's going to fool an opposing quarterback or at least some of them, uh, and allow you to execute properly. There's got to be a level there where you can scale it back and everybody can be on the same page so that at least they, they know where they're going. It starts with that. It starts with the players knowing where they're going and what they're supposed to do with each assignment they're given on each play. You start with that and take it from there, but they've got to reach that level first, and that's what this week and whatever they did last week should have been all about. Well, we're giving Mike Smith some input. I'm sure he's listening. I know he loves a few extra bucks. But the players are also giving the coaching staff some input. That's part of the bye week, and Dirk Cutter addressed that as well. I put together just a very short short, short thing that I, I asked uh, the guys to give me some feedback, and they did an awesome job. I really appreciate their honesty because sometimes honesty can be self, uh, self-defeating, self you know, so make, make yourself look bad. But I appreciate their honesty and – uh, you know, the communication, I think, both ways, player-coach, coach-player, was good. Pretty constructive there, Roy. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought it was kind of interesting that he did that. And uh, you know what? You, you need – look, it's a team. It, it can't be us and them. You know, coaches uh, decide how we play and players play. It, everybody should be involved, especially when you've had the kind of, you know, disastrous outcomes that the Bucks have had the last couple of weeks where – you know, they just they were out of the game at halftime and uh, have been forced to play catch up. That's an opportunity to bring everybody in and say, OK, guys, what are we doing wrong? Tell us if we're screwing up. Let us know. And if the player, you know, I, I think most players will be very honest. Um, those that have experience and, and can say it, a guy like Jason Pierre Paul, a guy like uh, Gerald McCoy, Levante David, um, even a Chris Conti who may be hurt, but but, you know, can still see what's happening. I think those guys, certainly Brent Grimes, those guys are all going to say, hey, uh, I'll tell you what's going wrong. Here's the problem. And my guess is most of those guys probably looked in the mirror and said, look, the problem is not with the coaching staff. It's me. I'm the one who, you know, didn't pick up the check uh, on this play, who didn't communicate the proper uh, switch on this play. Um, That's what it comes down to. And again, to me, that stuff's got to be simplified in order for this to be corrected quickly. But uh, I think that's doable. Well, Jameis Winston is going to be your starting quarterback, Bucks fans, against the Atlanta Falcons this Sunday at 1 o'clock. And Dirk Cutter, obviously behind his guy who came in the second half, and Dirk admitted they, they put Jameis in kind of a tough spot. I thought it was the perfect spot for him to step in. There wasn't a lot of pressure. I mean, the game was kind of out of control at that point, and he needs some snaps. Uh, Jameis had some ups and some downs in Chicago, but this will be his first start of the season, and here is Dirk Cutter on his quarterback. I think our team needs to – get off to a better start and you know we talked I talked about that Uh, that's one of the things I asked the players to give me feedback a week ago a week ago today I asked the players to give me feedback on that and then I kind of compiled all of that into a into a few thoughts that I shared with the team today so I think our team needs to get off to a faster start and I don't I think Jameis same as everybody else so, Jameis, uh, everybody needs to get off to a fast start. Roy, you covered this game. Jameis's first start with Dirk Cutter as a head coach was, oh, by the way, at Atlanta back in the uh, two years ago. 
And, you know, it's funny how times can change. He had four touchdown passes in that game. The Bucs won 31-24. How about this? His touchdown passes in that game, Roy, Brandon Myers, Charles Sims, Austin Safarian Jenkins, and Mike Evans. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How about that? Yeah. Um, well, hey, that, uh, he spread the ball around. I'll tell you that. Got a, got a couple of tight ends in there. You got a, got a receiver or two. Uh, running back, good stuff. Uh, look, I, 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 look, James Winston completed 80, 80% of his passes last week um, or the last time he played. 16 to 20. Nice. I like that. He also had two interceptions. Um, but, you know, that's James Winston thinking that he can get the Bucks back into the game and forcing a few things. Um, it was a great opportunity, as you've said, for him to get his feet wet, uh, get a feel for the rush again, get a feel for the speed of the game, develop that, you know, start, uh, you know, Re-getting, re- you know, getting that chemistry back with his, his receivers, the whole bit. Um, I think it was a good opportunity. They took good advantage of it, and it turns out that that was the plan anyway. Dirk Cutter's plan was now he didn't expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to do what he did, but his plan all along was to go back to Jameis after Week Four, after the bye week, and uh, and start him in Atlanta. Uh, at this point, you know, I could see why Jay, why Ryan Fitzpatrick can be upset with that, but I can also see where uh, Dirk Cutter's coming from at two and two. Uh, you know, I think Dirk makes a good point. They, this team needs to start faster. Maybe Jameis Winston can give him that uh, that spark. I mean, it's not like Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't didn't spark him. He did, um, but uh, it's more on the defense than anybody else. But I don't think this team is hurt uh, if Jameis Winston is in there at quarterback. I think they're in fine shape there. Well, the good news for Jameis Winston is this Falcons defense is banged up, and Deion Jones, who's an All-Pro linebacker. Uh, that guy's a monster in the middle. He's not going to be playing. He's out for the season. And another reason I read off the guys that he threw to in his first game under Dirk Cutter as head coach uh, two seasons ago, you know, you have Brandon Myers, you have Charles Sims, you have Austin Sperry and Jenkins, and you have Mike Evans. But now he's got Deshaun Jackson. He's got Cam Brate. He's got Chris Godwin. He's got Adam Humphreys. He's got a lot of weapons, Roy, and this Falcons defense is really slumping right now. This is a game where the Buccaneers should put up 40-plus points. There, there's, there is no other way around it. They, they probably will need to um, they, uh, because of the defense. Again, I, I doubt that they're going to come out and pitch a shutout in Atlanta against Matt Ryan. Uh, it just ain't going to happen. Um, I'd be surprised if it does, let me say that. Uh, so the, it's going to be a shootout. So the offense needs to take advantage of what it's got and all those weapons and uh, there's plenty of them, as you pointed out. So uh, James Winston should be pumped for this game. There's a defense out there that is vulnerable right now. Um, you've got to take advantage of that vulnerability and attack, attack, attack. And, you know, it's up to the, the, to the coaches to come up with a game plan that allows you to do it. But, again, this is a game where they should and probably will have to put up 40 points in order to win. All right, before we get to our extra fun segment coming up, we have to mention Ali Marpet getting a well-deserved contract extension. I, I got to come clean. Ali Marpet's one of my favorite guys on the team, always approachable, uh, just a fun-loving guy, always seemingly in a pretty good mood, too. And, boy, he's really been a versatile guy for this Bucks team. And I'm sure you know this is the first of uh, what we're going to see as more than a few contract extensions for a lot of these young core Bucks players, Roy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, good news. I mean, he's a great, not just a great guy, but a great teammate. And he's great for a team like the Buccaneers who want versatility out of their offensive linemen because look at him. He's played three years in the league. He's played three different positions. So um, he certainly earned uh, the contract, no doubt about it. Everybody knew this one was coming. Um, he will be a leader on this team for many years to come. 
Uh, I believe he and Donovan Smith both uh, will be that. Uh, he's one another an, to me another example of, in my opinion, I, I think Jason Light doesn't get enough credit for the good work he does uh, in the draft or free agency. It, to me, it's it's another winner that he picked. I think he's picked plenty of them. Um, you know, truth of the matter is, as a GM, if you can go, if half your picks are good, you, you're probably well ahead of the game. Believe it or not, um, very few general managers uh, are at a 75 percent hit rate um, with with their draft picks or even their their free agent signings. It's more like baseball uh, batting average. If, if you're hitting 333, you're probably leading the league. So you want to do a little bit better than that in football, but um, 50% is pretty good. And Ellie Marpet was one of the guys on the, on the right side of the ledger for Jason Light, for sure. And Roy, he's also an example of a guy, if you play at a small school, he played at Hobart College, and you can make hay if you have a good senior bowl and a good combine. And he's a perfect example. He came out of nowhere, but he shined in the workouts. And I know you're a big part of evaluating that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, look, I don't know how many kids we got out there listening. Hopefully hopefully we have uh, thousands and um, thousands more to come. But here's the thing. If you're a kid, you can make it from anywhere. You don't have to go to Alabama, Florida, LSU. Uh, You don't have to go to UCLA or USC. It doesn't have to be a major school. You can go to a Division II school. You can go to a Division III school. And you can make it in the NFL. If you have the talent, the, the, the scouts will find you. It's that simple. And Ali Marpet is right now one of the best examples of that ever. And what I love about Ali Marpet, this is, this is what you – not all pro athletes are like this. He was asked by uh, Buccaneers.com in an interview. I give him a lot of credit. This was, this was funny. Um, and how are you going to celebrate this? And – he didn't hesitate. He's wearing his Hawaiian shirt, and he said, uh, you know what? I'm real excited because my brother is making tacos, and my girlfriend's at home, and I'm going to have tacos when I get home. <laughs> Spoken like a true <laughs> offensive lineman, right? And that, you know what? That's Ali Marpet. He's um, not soft-spoken, but very easygoing. And uh, he's, uh, he's just he's a great guy, and he's a great ambassador for the Buccaneers team. Like I said, he's a guy, you know, uh, he's a guy that, he should probably be on the, the face of the building. You know, uh, yeah. I, I would say he should be one of those guys that they celebrate a little bit more. The, the team all, and, and I understand that they lean towards the stars, you know, the, the playmakers, the Mike Evans, the Jason, uh, the, the, the James Winston's obviously that makes sense. And defensively, you know, McCoy and Levante David and those guys. And I get that, but you know what? Don't be afraid to celebrate an offensive lineman every once in a while. Especially if it's a guy like Ali Marpet, who's done so much uh, as a pro athlete and uh, and now is doing so much for your team. And by the way, Ali, I love tacos too. I'm with you, my brother. <laughs> All right. Justin Thomas, it's time. You know what time it is, baby. Our three and out soundtrack. Once you hear that, folks, admit it. It's in your head for about three hours. <laughs> but that's a good thing sometimes. All right, three questions for Roy Cummings, and we are out of here. And I was lucky enough to be in New Orleans for Monday Night Football watching Drew Brees break Peyton Manning's record, becoming the NFL's all-time leading passer. And to put that into perspective, and if you look at NFC South quarterbacks, if they stayed healthy and continued at their current rate in terms of their passing yards per season, Matt Ryan wouldn't break it until 2025 cam newton wouldn't break it until 2030 and Jameis winston 2032 if you throw jared goff in there it would be 2036 
So it gives you perspective on how impressive both what Manning has done and what Breeze has done. Breeze actually passed Brett Favre, who was right behind Manning as well. So my first question in our three and out, Roy Cummings, if you could pick a career, who's had a better career, Peyton Manning or Drew Breeze, which is still ongoing right oh, now? Oh, boy. Um, man. Uh, boy, that, that's a, wow. We're not messing around tonight. I I guess, look, they're both Hall of Fame careers. You know what? All right, you guys are going to be mad at me again. I'll take Peyton. I'm not surprised anymore. I'll take Peyton Manning. And here's why. I'll tell you why. Okay. Peyton Manning transcends the game of football. Okay. He is, you you don't even have to be a football fan to know who Peyton Manning is now. Because he's doing so much, you know, he did all the Papa John's commercials for a long time. He does the nationwide commercials. Um, he's been on Saturday Night Live, you know, um, you know, that hosted the show. Um, got one of the funnier segments of all time on there where he's throwing the balls to the kids and then, you know, <laughs> ripping them for not for dropping it and stuff. I'm going to go with Peyton Manning, and that's the reason he transcends the game of football. Drew Brees does as well. But not yet yeah. to the degree to the degree that Peyton Manning does. Okay, listen. If I had, if you know, I well, we're gonna get. I almost jumped the gun on my next question. Drew Brees transcends football too, my friend. Okay, uh, there, Russell Wilson looks up to Drew Brees. You know, you have guys like uh, Baker Mayfield looks up to Drew Brees. Now they transcend transcend football in different ways. I will go this far. If you're talking commercials, Peyton Manning's a no-brainer. Brees' commercials are kind of boring. Peyton Manning is the, is the man. By the way, did a dedication to Drew Brees on the Jumbotron at the game, and he's cutting tomatoes at the table, <laughs> and a friend off camera says, hey, they broke the record finally. And he does this vintage Peyton Manning, great stuff. Personality-wise, it's through the charge of Peyton Manning. Great quarterback, too. But here's how I break it down. Drew Brees is going to own all the records. He'll break Peyton Manning's touchdown record soon as well. He'll own all the records, okay? He also may have another Super Bowl, but to me, they're kind of tied at this point. I don't give much credence to Peyton Manning's second Super Bowl because that was all Denver defense, all right? They went head-to-head, even though it's not head-to-head, but when they met in the Super Bowl, Breeze won that one as well. I feel like Breeze is more of a clutch player, and to me, just when you look at the broad landscape of what happened in his career, you know, Peyton Manning to me, and maybe it goes back to, you know, whenever there was a big game, at Peyton Manning, even when he won that Super Bowl with the Colts, he didn't really win that game. It was more the Colts' defense. I feel like Drew Brees, when they won that Super Bowl, it was a lot of Drew Brees. And, oh, by the way, Peyton Manning threw a big pick in that game. I feel like if I needed a quarterback, I would rather have Brees than Peyton Manning in terms of a clutch player as well. It's a good argument. Um, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Um, It's kind of like there was an old argument a long time ago, um, and you can still argue it today. Who was the better player, Joe DiMaggio or Mickey Mantle? And they would, and, and Yankees fans would kind of go back and forth, back and forth, comparing the stats, comparing the championships, this, that, and the other, all the home runs. And then fun, somebody pointed out, all right, how about this? Mickey Mantle, I don't know, married three times or whatever. Joe DiMaggio uh, <laughs> married Marilyn Monroe. Game over. That's it. Drop the mic. You know, and that's where I am with Peyton Manning because – Hosted Saturday Night Live. He not, didn't marry Marilyn Monroe, but at the end of the day, you know what I mean. I mean, when let's see if Drew Brees can host Saturday Night Live some point. But we're talking football, but, my uh, friend. We, we've decided they transcend football, and therefore, 
You have to go away from football to determine who the greater player is. Oh, now you're you're broadening the argument. I am now. broadening I, I, the argument. You, you hate Billy Joel too, so I'm going to get to Justin Thomas. <laughs> no um, wrong answer. No wrong answer. You know, it's kind of I. This argument always comes up. Justin's from New Orleans, so he he's a you know Peyton Manning's from New Orleans That's true. and, and breathes out. True. Here. So, so here we go. I think when you look at the fact that you know. Coming into the NFL, no one gave Drew Brees a chance. Always, you know, about his height. It's always about his height. And I just think when you, you know, he doesn't have the the strongest arm. He may not have the escapability out of the pocket like Aaron Rodgers. But he's probably got to have one of the best QB minds ever. And then when you look at what he's done, especially completion percentage-wise, he, he – Leads the NFL in that NFL history. He's got the highest completion percentage throughout his career. I, I kind of have to go with Breeze. I think Breeze has done more with what he has, you know, in terms of his, his limitations, I guess you would say. I hate to say that, but, you know, than what Peyton Manning had. I think Peyton Manning had better wide receivers. Breeze never up until last year never had a Pro Bowl receiver. Not that, Roy. I, I just think – you know, I don't look, disagree. Justin's making very good points. Drew Brees has had to overcome a lot more than Peyton Manning ever did, um, just in terms of, you know, what life's thrown at him. You know, face it, he, he's not the prototypical quarterback, uh, never has been. Uh, uh, he was hurt at one point. Um, a team sort of kind of gave up on him, but uh, he, he's bounced back. So, again, my feeling is you, you – you, there is no wrong answer, but at the end of the day, if if we all agreed, well, then what fun would that be? You know, here's the thing, Roy. Would you would you give me this? Drew Brees undoubtedly is popular in New Orleans. Okay, he's undoubtedly, I think, respected in all the NFC South cities, but nationally, he's always third. It's always been you know Brady, Manning, Brees, and now it's. Brady, Rogers, Breeze. Do you think he's underrated a tad nationally? Yeah. Oh, I do. I definitely do. Yeah. I, I will. I will definitely agree with that. Um, he probably doesn't get enough due. I, I look. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are surprised that Breeze has the record and that Aaron Rodgers doesn't, or that Favre doesn't, or that uh, Brady doesn't anymore. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people are surprised at that and. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think he is a little bit underrated. I think a lot of people have forgotten about, you know, just how good he really is. Well, can okay. we? I, I'm not. Uh, I was going to say, can we at this moment then revisit what Roy said <laughs> at the beginning of the season? Bring it on. You remember that? Well, I'm, yeah. I'm going to play. Yeah. You want to compare the stats? This it's is a what you, <laughs> This is what you said, though. Drew Brees is is a talent. That is uh, fading in a way, not not significantly. Um, Drew Brees is not playing his best foot, the best football of his career right now. Matt Ryan is. It's a walk. But would you still, though, having said that, I remember you said Brees will have a down year this year. Next year, Saints are going to go four and twelve. Now, who knows what's going to happen the rest of this season? But you got to say, on the trajectory that Breeze is going, would you still pick Matt Ryan just for now, this season? I'm not saying going forward for the future. 
But would you still pick Matt Ryan over Drew Brees? I'm sticking with my convictions. I don't think you can go wrong either way. I'm sticking with Matt Ryan. <laughs> oh, sticking with I, Matt Ryan. I, at least you're the, at least you're a man of your convictions. I can. Uh, least, but that. right now it's a wash. Look at the numbers. It's a wash. I mean, okay. Br- let's see, Bree. Uh, I can get the numbers. How about four and one. What? That's a good. Well, number. Not only well, that. Right. I mean, well, he's gonna. Okay. Well, gee, look what happens when you have a defense. Well, are you the saying Saints have, the Saints defense is awful. Yeah, the Saints, uh, it, 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 no, they're playing well, better, but they're the not. The Falcons' defense is awful with a capital A, capital W, capital F. <laughs> no, here's the intriguing part, guys, and this is the truth, that the Saints, if he was on the board, would have picked him, and he was close to being on the board for them, would have picked this guy over Marshawn Lattimore. Sean Payton was in love with Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Can you imagine if they had Mahomes as the backup right now? They'd have a real quarterback controversy on their hands, I guess. Well, they wouldn't have been the playoffs. More, more actually, uh, I guess a great talent would be going to waste more than likely. Well, but then they wouldn't have had Lattimore. They might not have made the playoffs last year, which means four straight losing seasons. Sean Payton may not be there. There's all kinds of things there too. All right, let's move on. Second question in our three and out. I'm going to keep with the quarterbacks, and I'm jumping off the Breeze bandwagon for this one. Roy, Justin, who's the best quarterback of all time? Who wants to go first? Um, you know, it's about winning Super Bowls in this league. And Tom Brady's got got everybody beat there. I'm going with Tom Brady. Oh, my God. I have to agree with Roy. You know, I will agree with Roy. Um, Tom Brady, I don't know how people argue with this because in this era with, you know, roster shakeups and parity in the NFL, Joe Montana, you know, John Elway, they didn't have to deal with a lot of that. And, frankly, if people want to throw Joe Montana out there, he had Jerry Rice – and, you know, Tom Brady never won a Super Bowl with Randy Moss. You take Randy Moss off, look at all the wide receivers Tom Brady won with. I don't know how people argue with Tom Brady. Yeah, here's – Justin? I think I think what Dan Marino did at, in his time is amazing. But uh, I also have to say you – no. Know, I, I don't know how high – Super Bowl should rank for QBs because, as everyone knows, winning the Super Bowl is a team effort. It's not just a one player. But I also have to go with Tom Brady. I I remember the 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 Super Bowl against Atlanta. Watching that comeback, in my mind, cemented the fact that this is the greatest QB who's ever played. I mean, yes, teams have come back from being down by that much or more, but. The fact that he did it on that big of a stage when Atlanta had all the momentum, I mean, you could tell he was just willing that team back. That, to me, cemented the fact that this is probably one of the greatest QBs who will ever play the game. And here's another thing, guys. Think about this. Yeah, he, he the Malcolm Butler play you know, saved him from probably losing that Super Bowl, but he easily could have had a perfect season. If Eli Manning doesn't make that throw to Tyree, right. they could have won that one. He came close to winning more. Yeah. That's the and that's the crazy part. Yeah, of it. that's a good point. That's a good point. All right. Well, you know, Roy kind of did a little foreshadowing. He didn't that. even know. I noticed it. that. He didn't even know it. We we got to bring in pop culture in our third question. All right, here we go. You mentioned Saturday Night Live with your boy Peyton Manning. Yeah. Here's our pop culture question, Roy, and let you lead off. And I love the fact that uh, I'll admit sometimes, Justin, our producer, we talk about these. Roy has no idea what we throw at him, and that's what makes what Roy does so impressive. Roy doesn't miss a beat, and Roy stands his ground even <laughs> on Billy Joel versus Elton John and Matt Ryan versus Drew Brees. That's why we love him so much. Stands his ground. 
Who is the best Saturday Saturday Night Live cast member of all time? And you can't say Peyton Manning. John Belushi. Oh wow! He's, he was part of the guy, the group that started it all. Um, to me, he's the Babe Ruth of uh, of Saturday Night Live. I, there were plenty who were maybe funnier, just as funny, had longer runs, but. He made it all happen, man. Without Belushi, he was the first one to break out um, with Animal House. Uh, but to, to me, he's the Babe Ruth of the Saturday Night Live cast members. Justin? Uh, that is a good one. I, I'm going to go with one that maybe isn't as popular, as well-known. He had a pretty good stretch. I think it was almost close to 10 years. Um, but this is a guy who... Did so many impersonations, so many characters. He played background characters a lot, but he, to me, is just one of my favorites on SNL, and that is Phil Hartman. He unfortunately, wow. yeah, he unfortunately, right after he left Saturday Night Live and his career was taken off, he was on news radio. To me, one of the most underrated uh, sitcoms, but you know, his life came to an early end, unfortunately. But I think I'm going to go with him. He, he's definitely his impression of Sinatra was one of the uh, one of the best ever. Yes, yes, it was. And uh, Bill Clinton. All right, too. guys. Yeah, Bill Clinton was really good. Yeah. All right, guys. I uh, love Bill Murray to death. Bill Murray is up Who there. Who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. That's a good point too. Um, I'm going to go off the board a little bit too, maybe slightly. I love Chris Farley. I'm sorry, I just love him. Yeah. Chris See, Farley. Yeah, it's hard to argue. It's it, it's kind of yeah. like the Peyton Man, Manning, uh, you know, Drew Brees argument, or the Matt Ryan Drew Brees argument. It, no That's way. not hard to argue, but you argue it well. I feel like Chris Hartley <laughs> was like a reincarnation of John Belushi in a way. That kind yeah. of br- well, brilliant blend of, of yeah. yeah, physical uh, comedy. Uh, yeah, oh, stage, yeah oh, true. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good stuff, guys. You know, I, I have an argument with my father a lot, and we and Justin and I were going to bring this up, but I don't think it's pointless now. He, he's a Belushi guy. I'm a Farley guy. But it's like Roy said. It's a win-win situation. They're both funny. They're just uh, – um, I mean, they're both just legendary people in terms of comedy. And, and, and tragically, how they both left us too, We I hate to think about that, how much work that they could have given us as yeah. well. So. But anyway, well, listen, uh, great job, guys. Uh, Roy, you hung in there, man. Uh, now you know how I feel when you guys were ganging up on me on the whole Elton John, Billy Joel thing. <laughs> but uh, that's another rendition of A Few Extra Bucks. We love our title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes on the corner of Northdale, Mabry, and Van Dyke. And, of course, Sea Dog Brewing Company, great locations in Clearwater and on Treasure Island. We'll be back on Thursday to really dissect the Bucks, taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Big game for the Bucks. Still in the heart of this NFC South. Two and two, even though they have the bad taste in their mouths against the Chicago Bears. But for Justin Thomas, our great producer, for our exceptional Buccaneer insider with his insight, Roy Cummings, we're lucky to have him. I'm merely Mike Neighbors. Remember, subscribe to PeterPyrus.com, folks. It is absolutely free. This is A Few Extra Bucks. Thanks so much for checking us out.